Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Music for the Mature B-Boy by DJ Format. Hi, Keith. What made you pick a rap record? <laughs> this morning for breakfast I had bacon, eggs and chips. Three cups of tea. And then I smacked me lips. I'm going to do it all. I said to John, me husband, ain't I getting fat? Don't. I said, not really, love. Please. I like you like that. <laughs> oh, but he's kidding, you know. Why? I, I don't know why I picked it. No, I know why I picked a rap record, man. Because I love this record. I think this album's awesome. Great. I'm really pleased you like it, and I'm really pleased that there's that memorable moment from it that we'll no doubt talk about. Uh, is that, w- that patronising? Not in not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. I'm, I'm I'll I'll talk about it. <laughs> I need to talk about it more, but we need to get the intro out of the way first before we dig into that. Uh, hello, thank thank you all. Welcome back. If this is uh, if you're coming back, and welcome to Alive Just Blethering for those who've never heard us before. A podcast where. Two thirty-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. If you want to get us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at AOGB Podcast, our DMs are open and ready to receive. We received our first DM the other day. Don't say it was our first. We've received we've received DMs from many bots, many uh, bots, and a few <laughs> friends. Thank you very much, friends. But someone I certainly don't know Diddle. messaged us Diddle. about uh, space. So thank you, listener. Yeah, that was uh, a nice interjection. Someone actually listened to us and replied. And it's always lovely. We're, we're, we're more than happy to accept. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this, this album was a bit of a... I wouldn't say it's a curveball, but for me at least, because we've we've got it planned out what kind of episodes we want to do and when we want to do them. So you've had this on the, on the spreadsheet for a, a few weeks, but this is not what... I was listening to in 2003. Why did you listen to it in 2003? In fairness, this isn't representative of what I was listening to in 2003 either. I I think I picked this album up because of the video for We Know Something You Don't Know. Did you check out any of the videos for the album? I've not. I've, I've literally just listened to the album basically on repeat for a week. Right. The um the video for We Know Something You Don't Know, you might even recall it if you've seen it over the over the years, is a guy in a giant like or a woman, I don't know actually, a person in a giant shark outfit. You know, like a clown like a like a like a cartoon shark outfit and a and a person in a tiger cartoon outfit and they're just rapping. They're like on South Beach in California or something, or they're there's palm trees and there's tall buildings and it's America somewhere. It looks very California-esque. And they're just... These two characters are sort of the the, the rappers of the song. Uh, Char- Charlie Charlie Tuna and Akil from Jurassic 5. And there's like some break dancing and stuff. And I was just like hooked from that song. Because that is a jam. Like that bass line. That doo-boo-doo-boo-doo-boo-doo-boo. Like when that kicks in, I was just like, ooh okay, what, what's this? And I appreciate rap. I appreciate hip-hop. I'm not a massive rap and or hip-hop fan, but 
I was like, no, this is this, this sounds cool. This is kind of cool. Who are these guys? All right, Jurassic Five. Oh yeah, I know a little, know a little bit of Jurassic Five. Who's this DG format guy? And right. that was me. I was in. Great. I have a very very limited knowledge of of hip hop. Um, far be it from me to have any sort of say in what is good hip hop, what is bad hip hop, yes, yeah, and anything in the middle. I my my only sort of hip hop knowledge is probably I think the only thing I could ground it's maybe like Beastie Boys. Same. Uh, I remember hearing it. I had a. I'm sure I had a DJ Shadow album given to me in about 2004 by someone at uni, and that was a. It was fine, and I would have if you hadn't. If you just said music for the mature b-boy, and I mean, even, I must admit, even at the end of the last episode, it just had the DJ in it, and I said DJ fucking lethal. But it's, <laughs> That's amazing. But DJ, I, I think DJ Shadow and DJ Format were interchangeable in my sort of vocabulary. So, kind of the same for me as well. Like, I didn't, like, th- th- this wasn't an awakening of hip-hop for me. Like I say, I really only stuck with DJ Format. I listened to his next album, and then after that, it was a sort of another couple of years before is is the album that followed. Uh, if you can't join them, beat them. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stick with hip hop. I think at the time, DJ Shadow was quite big. DJ Yoda also comes to mind, this sort of stuff. And I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of what I was saying or what I've sort of touched on before on earlier podcasts where like I just kind of liked what I liked. Like I didn't get too much. Like I was, I was sort of stuck on Linkin Park and... This is you know this this album came out in two thousand three, so still very much in high school on the Lincoln Park train, on the Papa Roach train, on that new metal train. But like this just seemed to be something different at a time where people were still like sucking in WA's dick, and like everyone was all about two thousand and one and Eminem, and I was on that train as well. I enjoy like I I I sort of had my sort of teenage years with Eminem, but then. I never really stuck with gangster rap. I kind of fucking hated the concept of gangster rap. Yeah, I get that. I my before I got into Lincoln Park, I think my tastes would have been around whatever was popular in the sort of rap world. So Eminem, I had both of his, I had two of his albums: I had the the Slim Shady EP and the Marshall Mathers LP. LP sorry, yeah. I think I'd listened to two thousand one. I mean, na 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 na. It's the motherfucking D-O-Double-D. Snoop Dogg! That was I mean, that like... That became part of your stag do as well. Like, man, it's it. it's you know, total meme-worthy, meme man. Yeah, there's like nine guys walking through Berlin and someone would just say, <laughs> hold up. Hold up. And that was us. We would just Wait. be like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? But, like, and I enjoyed that music. Like, don't get me wrong. I say, like, sucking NWE's dick and whatever. Like, I'm not... I, I wasn't, like, anti, like, that popular culture like i was totally there as well i had 2001 i listened to eminem and stuff like that but i i think what we were saying with limp biscuit before as well like i think i did it because it was popular i tell you what another album that i had and this is this is one i was i i remember having the wwf it was when they had an f in the name i think it was aggression it was called um, and it basically was like a, a 2000s album of the entrance songs that some of the um, some of the wrestlers had, because at that time, with with hip hop and rap being like pop music of the time, yeah, you had like Method Man did 
The Rock's Know Your Rules song. Did he? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't remember that. I remember the... Um, I thought you were going to go with um, either the Not Rage Against the Machine Walls of Jericho or the Kid Rock American Badass for Undertaker. No, that was that was not that was not on this album. This album was all hip hop. Well, not all hip hop, but it was most like rap. Uh, I think the Godfather had "Pimpin' Ain't Easy" by Ice T. Degeneration right, X. Okay. They had "The Kings" by Ron DMC. So oh, this right, was okay, th- that was basically my foray into hip hop because of the names on this album. So I'm, I'm getting it up now, and I'm just looking at some of these. So. Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, Red Man. Those names wouldn't mean anything to me until a few years later when I heard Wu-Tang Clan. Did you ever, on that, just as you've method, method, lol, just as you've mentioned Method and Red Man, did you ever see a film called How High? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. You've never seen Oh, it's How High? absolute... Which is that one? Yeah. That's not the one with Me- Chris... Um, no, it's Method Man and Redman. Oh fuck! What's the one that I have seen, and I've seen it a lot, like too much. It's uh, not Chris Rock. The other one, another comedian, black comedian, and his name escapes me right at the second that I need to see it. Yeah, I don't know where to go with this one. Oh my god! Right. Well, you Google that. I'm going to I'll reference that how high because this was like. My whole, like, 16, 17, 15, 16, 17 years old, like, I fucking loved stoner movies. Like, Jane Silent Bob and all of Kevin Smith's films and How High was, like, in this... I really wanted you to say the name of this fucking movie right then. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, I don't... Oh, my God. Are you any closer to finding it? Not in the slightest. I need to get a brainwave of, of just one actor's name in it, and it, they uh, completely just escaped me. It is the funniest movie when you've when you've had a few because it was. It's just one of those stories that just goes absolutely batshit crazy. One of the boys gets arrested for overfeeding a horse's munchies, and the f- horse was a diabetic, so the horse dies, and they have to. Get... Oh, it's, it's not Harold and Kumar, is it? No, it's not Harold and Kumar. My God. You're really going to have to find this one. Yeah, man. okay. I'm going to keep going, keep going. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So, how, but how high? Like, you're, you're just talking about Method Man and Red Man. Like, and you're talking about the, these other artists and Ice Cube and stuff like that. To me, these guys were like the gangster rap of, or they, 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 they are where sort of gangster rap, you know, this is all like coming off of like Tupac and, and East Coast and West Coast and blah, 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 crap. And I never really bought into that. Like, I never really cared about that sort of stuff mostly because i was probably a scottish white guy from a middle class background like couldn't really didn't really want to be it's that not guy. relatable is it it's not when like not, you've got a healthy yeah. healthy family relationship and, and everything's all good and gravy yeah. i've got nothing to complain about which is why new metal was so appealing because it was a bit angsty it was angsty and you had yeah, like, yeah I'm, I'm a bit angry because i'm i don't know my place in the world but then how, how dare my parents love me and support me and provide for me and and what what ah oh, fuck those guys yeah exactly yeah but okay i found the movie it's called half baked right it's oh, dave yeah. chappelle and uh jim brewer it's uh, absolutely it is one of the one of the that was my film that I would watch when we've had a few. It would usually be one we'd watch at like five in the morning, and 
some of the quotes that could come out of that. Because that's where you get the whole like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, I'm out. Like, just one of those... Is, is that not the one where he's like, oh, I totally give her like a pearl necklace? And the dude understands, and like, the, misunderstands uh, the meaning of a pearl necklace. And I, don't, I can't remember that scene. The one that the line that always gets me is when Dave Chappelle's playing the. He plays like multiple characters in it. But one of the characters he plays is he plays like the lead sort of drug dealer, uh, who he ends up like. No, he, the lead rapper who he ends up dealing to, and mm-hmm. it, it is like doctor says I gotta get a backy out of me. <laughs> it's fucking. It's just one of those movies. I, if anyone has ever seen Half Baked, I would strongly recommend it. It is a brilliant movie to watch. Oh, it's got Terry. It's got Terry Crews in it as well. Oh my god! Yes, he's like, give me a cocktail, fruit. And he's like the 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 prison <laughs> the prison guy who's like trying to take on the uh, Jim Brewer as he's in as he's in jail. No, it's Harlan Harlan Williams goes to jail uh, for overfeeding the horse. Fucking great film. Anyway. That is my literal my experience of of hip hop until until I heard Beastie Boys and I mean Beastie Boys were just always around weren't they? Yeah, like Beastie Boys is also something I have are, are a group I have been into and I have followed for years. Like I stuck with Beastie Boys yeah. probably after Hello Nasty sort of came out and we're probably going to go back and cover that to be fair because that's awesome. But DG format was sort of. I, I don't know. I, I liked all the songs. I liked I liked all the tracks on it. Like it's going back and listening to it. Like it's really like drum and bass heavy. I mean, like you know, the instruments drum and bass, not like drum and bass music. It's very uh, funky, funky bluesy sort of almost old school like R and B as opposed to what R and B is now. Like it's it's it, it it has a sense of humor. It's quite funny. It's it's quite light. Like you don't have to like know what it is to be a drug runner in Compton to like listen to the album. You can just put it on and like even the instrumental tracks on this are a gem. Like I remember back in the day, like just chucking on this album in the car and just driving around to some of the instrumentals like a dickhead. Not driving like a dickhead. Well, yeah, driving a little bit like a dickhead. But do you, do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it was just enjoyable and fun and wasn't too heavy. I suppose is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's very it's very accessible and and easy listening, which I would say is its strong point, but it's to almost to a fault, uh, in my view, after listening okay. to it for a week. I found it, it becomes background music to the to the extent that it's again it's inoffensive, it's comfortable. You can put it on in the you know, in the middle of the day, any time of the day, chilling, having a coffee, doing work. It's it's sort of the equivalent of putting lo-fi music on these days. To me, it's that. Yeah. It's got no. Okay. It it didn't. It lacked a presence for me. That I feel that bands like the Beastie Boys could could probably bring if the song came on from like to the Five Brothers to the Five Boroughs, Hello Nasty. There are songs on there that you know you genuinely stop what you're doing and you can sing word for word or or at least just jam along to. This felt an album of of like mixtapes, if if you will, of music that's well composed, well put together, but I wouldn't be able to distinguish if I was in a, a swanky cocktail bar or a a shop with clothes that I can't fit into in anymore. You know, just music that I'm too too old to understand. 
see that's the sort of thing with what i think is unique about dj format for me is it's he's the dj it's not it's not the beastie boys you know the rap group with a dj the the primary artist is the dj with featuring rappers yeah so you know you're saying the music is well composed it, it's i don't know if you can say you compose this kind of music because he's a DJ. He has mixed this music. He has taken breaks and loops and samples and has built the tracks to make his own music. And then he's put rappers on top of that. So that also sort of stands... That, that he's, he's probably the only DJ I can say I can listen to. You know, only hip-hop DJ I can say I listen to. Because he's he's built this with two turntables and skill. Yeah. There are a lot and of samples used with it throughout the album. Like they're, they're, you opened this episode with a really strange sort of. I do not know what that is. I, I wish I wish you could give give us something on that one because that is just I mean, such like, a a bizarre like what would you, like fifties sixties matinee song. Well, well, I googled it. I googled the the first sort of line this morning for breakfast. I I won't go. I won't do it again. And the only thing that really comes back is someone has put those lines into Reddit and sort of asked the question. <laughs> and the only person to come back is sort of say, it sounds like Victoria Woods. Yes, that's that's who I was thinking. It was, uh, you know, a, a comedian doing a bit, doing a skit. It might be, but even even for Victoria Woods, I still it still feels maybe sounds a bit old. But it could have other post-processing on it. It could be, sure, could sure. be aged or whatever. It's gonna. It's gonna be something that's gonna bother me if, if now that we've we've talked about it because I've not been able to find out who it was. To be fair, okay. But there's more. There's more samples on on this album that I think sort of really hooked me and engaged me as a younger person. And it's the one. It's definitely the one at the end of "We Know Something You Don't Know." You know, the, uh, don't don't worry about people asking questions. You're doing fine. You know, you're, they 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 want you to do what they're doing. That's what that's what they want you to think. So you just keep doing what you're doing. You know you know that sample. Yeah. Make it on your own the way you've been doing. That sort of stuff always got me as a teenager to be like, fuck yeah, man, I am good at I am gonna make it on my own. I don't I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. Like I I know exactly what I'm you know, that that sort of stuff. Uh where's the um even the the, 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 the sample the James Brown sample at the end of Hit Song. That's Mickey Murray. Hit record. God damn it! I thought it was James Brown. Mickey Murray. Mickey Murray. Yeah, he's the one. Who's he's, Mickey the, Murray? He's, he's the one that's credited for it. He's a, a singer from nineteen sixty-seven. There you go. I was so sure of myself that it was James Brown. I didn't even look up. Then it was that he's also been used in a nineteen eighty-eight song by the Jungle Band. Yeah, I'm sounding like I know what I'm talking about. I've literally clicked a link on a website. And I've got it in front of me. It's um, but yeah, it, I I like Please that because me. I like the fact that the song is called Hit Song, the Hit Song, and then at the end of it, he's used Hit Record uh, to sort of like reinforce that. And again, it's I like the whole the use of samples to build songs, and it, it's an interesting conversation to be had about is it is it a new piece of work because he's has he has he manipulated it enough to make it sound fresh and new or is it de, uh, what's the word it's got a d in it de, derogative uh, derogatory derogatory I, that's not the word i'm fucking terrible with it today 
is it is it has it changed enough from the source material into something new that he gets credited for so if i was to put the hit song on in a in a in a shop which has got prs would dj format get the the credit for it or would anybody else get or would the the other guys who wrote the songs that he sampled on it so we've got um that song again i hate hate by Razzie bailey from 1974 and back-to-back rhyming by lord finesse and dj mike smooth from 1990 they all get sampled in that i mean i i don't know the the answer to be honest but i think if if, if he hadn't have changed it because again this this just shows our in a like an experience with hip-hop and how this all works but um, I would only assume that had he not changed those songs enough to make them his own, then the guy wouldn't still be around because he'd have had his ass sued. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They have to have the, paid uh, for it in some way. I don't know how it works. The um, the mechanics of it, though. So I had a friend uh, from, from where I grew up who, again, another middle-class white guy who had no business being an Insane Clown Posse fan, but he fucking loved Insane Clown. He went to a private school. And he got an insane clown posse tattoo. If that's not just <laughs> angst, I don't know what is. Man, that's but, funny. I, I think that's you know what I can appreciate people who take an interest so much in something that it becomes their thing. He's the only reason I knew of insane clown posse as early as I did. And uh, if anyone who listening who doesn't know insane clown posse, Google that shit. Fucking that ma- is a, fucking magnets. How do they work? that's a fucking subculture man entirely like all those juggalos and juggalettes but uh he he got into he got into he was sort of my maybe sort of one of my friends who was more into Mm hip-hop than than other people you know by being more of an insane clown posse fan than say an eminem fan like he was definitely a bit more deeper into other sides of what was popular at the time but he also got a pair of decks and a mixer and was sort of trying to teach himself into DJ and scratch and stuff like that. So I kind of, j- just coincidentally at the time of getting into this album, I also had a friend who was like teaching me what a break track was and like how you can do loops and how you can do samples and stuff like that. So I had that sort of very, very minimalistic viewpoint on what it was to be a DJ, you know, circa 15 years ago. But it was interesting stuff, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like again, how it always, always like fascinated me. Music was getting sampled into something different. So I think someone I remember being at a house party in like 2000, 2001, and I'm pretty sure Boys of Summer, the DJ Sammy one, was like, oh yeah, that was like number one. That was that was the big song of the summer or whatever, and. Someone went into the the dad or whoever, whoever's house we're in went into the record collection and pulled out like the original. The original. And it's like, oh, and as a as a what would have been sixteen year old at the time, or even maybe fifteen year old, you had I had no concept that these songs that I'm hearing for the first time that are number one that are in the top ten charts were made thirty forty years ago. And yeah, I think it's we have now that we're in our mid thirties. I think we've got a better understanding of how the music industry works and how it reuses and regurgitates what was successful thirty years ago to make it something new today. 
It's but one then, thing to sample a song, it's another thing to cover a song. And I think that's a cover you're talking about. That is a cover, but there there are so many songs from up till now that are just using samples from even if it's just the drum beat. The one that always oh, fascinated yeah. me most was have you ever heard of the Amen Break? No, not that I'm aware of. You have heard it. You have heard the Amen Break thousands of times. I promise you. It is the most is famous drum beat that was basically the backbone of jungle, R&B, acid, any any sort of rave dance music from the 90s, or from the 80s, 90s and onwards. You have heard the Amen Break. Have you ever heard a Prodigy song? Yes. Full of the Amen Break. Is right, the, okay. is, if if anyone wants to, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, Google it, YouTube it, just type in Amen Break. The second you hear it, you will go, oh, that. And that, yeah, I, it was, I don't know what you're talking about. It, that was. Amen is into, is into, to, to pray, as in Amen. Amen, yeah, Amen. Amen Break, Amen Break. And it, it, it's, it's famously come up a, a lot throughout sort of the, the copyright sort of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and basically that was just a, a drum beat from a song that got cut down into like a three second sample and then it was resampled and reused for you know, and now it is part of a culture almost. That is my that is literally my sort of foray into into that because the music we listen to since, I don't really think uses that many samples. Oh, I don't know. Have you not heard? We talked about this before. The very specific reference I've just has just came to mind is that Volumes and Polaris track. Like they're not even that far away from each other. If do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, but that's that's again that's just two unimaginative bands, is it not? That, wow. Okay. Burn. Fuck <laughs> those guys, huh? Well, it's it's what if I call it, uh, it, you know, gent, but generic. You know, it's there's too many bands that want to sound like architects. But who's to say that that was an original volumes melody, and Polaris heard it and said, "No, we can use that. We can do something with that. It will be different, but it's great." So we're going to use it. And to be fair, I can remember this Mortal Coil. That's the the Polaris song. I can't remember the volume song that it's in. Is it something well, across the bed or something? Well, it's a, you start getting into some pretty big things when it, um, when you hear about like covers, but where bands have taken other songs and repurposed them, or say they've never heard them before and wrote a whole new song, but it sounds very very similar. Yeah, that's all ke- different kettle of fish. It's all different kettle of fish to it. But I think for the large part sampling would only come in when you heard like a line from a movie the one that i always remember and will now forever remember is my this morning for <laughs> breakfast i had bacon fucking sorry <laughs> uh oh, Park- sorry. parkway drives smoke them like you got them that has like the the sort of the build-up dun 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 dun, dun, dun. and then it just stops and the version i originally have from 2005 had uh, a line from Die Hard in it, so just before just before the break, it would go "Yippee motherfucker!" Dun, 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 dun. And it, it's no longer in that album. 
if you listen Clearly to that on Spotify, to it. probably not. It's questionable. They were a young band when they made that. So they've, they've probably been, well, we're getting a bit bigger now. We might want to take that out before we get sued. The other one that always, Suicide Silences, one of their first albums was literally called the Family Guy album. Right. And between every single breakdown is a Family Guy quote. That, I mean, that's a bit much, isn't it? Oh, it was. It was too much, but it was also hilarious at the time. It was very, very funny. But that's that was my that was our my experience of sampling, and it wasn't until I think I started working in I was working in a nightclub and a bars, and I was hearing more of this funk sort of background music mm-hmm. that this that music for the mature b-boy sort of reminded me of definitely was was reminiscent of that sound of like being in you know uh city calf or cab vol just sort there's, of chilling yeah you know? i mean there's like three instrumental songs on this the last bongo in brighton here comes the fuzz and english lesson now i think really they are pretty much all dj format on here here comes the fuzz there is actually a musician credited for the baseline, the Indian Rope Man. See the opening of that. Here comes the fuzz. Yeah, that is bam, so so familiar. I don't know, and and I, I said this before we started recording. I don't know if that was sampled to make this song, or if this song has then since been sampled so much because it's. It just sounds ubiquitous. It just sounds like something that is everywhere. You've heard it before, whether it was on a, a BBC trailer or if it was being used for some... DJ format on a BBC trailer. You'd be surprised. I've heard I've heard this will destroy you getting used during the fucking tennis. Yeah, and I've yeah, and there's obviously the really famous example of this will destroy you on Moneyball, but that's That's, that's a needle drop. That's, that's a needle drop. That's something totally different. That's post rock. That is big expansive sound spaces and stuff like that like that that makes sense for that stuff to get used on say a david attenborough documentary or whatever but i know i don't i thought you were referring to to adverts or whatever but the fact that the indian rope man is credited for the bass riff makes me think that's an original bass riff possibly indian rope man that's again i'm just going to tap that on wikipedia and i'm going to get something completely unrelated on it um the no there it is the sounds are, that are on this they they sound like they could be reused cut up it's almost as if this sort of sound has been made to be sampled and well resampled. they all are they all are samples they all are resamples and remixes and replays and sure. and you know that's what he's done as a dj is built these songs sure from the loops and stuff like you know when you see a dj like on stage or at least as they used to filing through like lots of different uh lps they're finding the next sample to play you know they're finding the break that they want to loop Mm -hmm. to build the next song that's what djing originally was yeah and i and i get that we i don't have much to say about the the art of djing or the the skill that's in it i and i think i said at the beginning i don't think i'm in any position of authority to know what's good or what's not good and neither do i you you sort of like what you like don't you yeah 
I'm just trying to rack my brains on some. There's one that came to me when we, we were talking about Beastie Boys. Now, at mm-hmm. a time when I when I got into Beastie Boys, I think I knew like the the, the big songs, you know, Sabotage, Fight for Your Right to Party. Yeah. Um, they were ones that were like probably radio radio friendly or at least had like a pop sensibility to them. And yeah. I'd never listened to a Beastie Boys album, so I went online and did what I did, and I downloaded a discography. Nice. And in that discography, there was the sound from Way Out, which mm-hmm. I thought was like, oh, some pricks put this random album in the middle of all these because there's no vocals on it. It's just background music. It's fantastic background music, very similar to what DJ Format was making a yeah. few years later. And it's that's be, that's my only sort of comparison that I can make to this this sound, this music is is what he was what was being made by the Beastie Boys. I kinda don't have an example to this music. I think that's what I was meaning at, at the very beginning as well. Like this is my only venture into what was sort of like cla- I say classical, but you know like hip-hop produced by a dj with featured rappers like we mentioned dj shadow we mentioned dj yoda earlier i never listened to any of those guys this this didn't take i didn't i didn't go any further with hip-hop i liked beastie boys but i think that's different because you had the three rappers making the music i saw beastie boys once in i don't know maybe 2005 secc fucking amazing but they had an instrumental break in the middle of the of the of the concert so they started off rapping. I think it was the To The Five Butters tour. They started off rapping and then stopped. The entire stage like turned. They basically had a backline on like a rotating platform. The whole thing turned. And there was just there was just the the, the Beastie Boys just, just started to jam. And they must they must have done about four or five songs of just instrumental, those guys just playing along. And then the stage flipped and then they went back into rap. And it was like I was so inexperienced as a Beastie Boys fan. I didn't even know they produced that sort of music. Yeah, you know? totally. They're a, they're such a deep band, given that their their roots go back to the the eighties hardcore scene, and they were a hardcore band. They were they were a hardcore punk band in in the beginning, yeah. and and then they they just evolved and they did what they wanted to do. They made what was popular. They made it really well, and they ended up defining defining a sound of that sort of inner city rap sound that then i think has been copied and and pasted a few times since but never to the same sort of success um but i think they're the only band i can really put my finger on that i would say you know what what is similar to to dj format that you listen to and it's, it's one that i have never really like like you say just it was never my thing fair I never really tried to make it my thing. I had, I had my own. I was very much into my hardcore, my metal, my punk, and that that when originally new metal in two thousand three was probably going into more rock and and classic rock at that stage as I was discovering new sounds all the time. So it was just rap and hip hop just never really grabbed me. And again, it's that background sound that it sort of held for me fair it's it's always kept a sort of 
flame in my heart to be fair most notably because like i've just been rapping it like i still remember the words to most of these songs well my interpretation <laughs> of the words i've noticed i looked, I looked online for some of them and, uh, and i was clearly wrong but like <laughs> what's your what's your take on on abdominal so abdominal is the sort of the first rapper to feature on the album he's on ill culinary behavior he's on one two three of the songs he's the only returning featured art, art rapper what, what's your sort of take on on him at least i would i would think that his name should be on the album because his his voice is very much the the sound that i'm going to associate with dj format okay I would have, and I've noticed that you know his, his name is associated with it, and he gets his name said in some of the songs. And I just would have liked him to have been more sort of front and center credited on the album. I suppose that's that's for me. That's sort of where I'm coming from. As in, this is DJ Format's album, and Abdominal, albeit he's on three tracks, is a featured artist on those three tracks. He's not, yeah. it's not, it's not DG format and abdominal, mm-hmm. although they toured together with this album. Uh, they actually toured, toured uh, 2003, 2004 in support of Jurassic five with this, but that's, you know, that it's like saying this is an architect's album, but Ollie Sykes was on three songs. So it should be architects and Ollie Sykes. Yeah. At least that's it's... how I'm sort of viewing it. Maybe because I'm a little bit more familiar with the personalities and, and sort of what came after and stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, he's associated with them and he's and he clearly gets his he clearly gets credits for it. With a with a for the recording, I know that DJ format is is English. Mm-hmm. And obviously abdominal is is he Canadian? Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. So it, was that was that abdominal was in England recording with him or or vice versa was 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 DJ Format recording with abdominal in Canada how did they do that from what I've read it's a very similar situation to what we saw with Audio Slave you had the band in LA and you had Chris Cornell in Seattle mm-hmm. for DJ Format and abdominal one being based in England one being based in in Canada Format essentially made the songs uh, in some studios in Brighton mm-hmm. and Abdominal recorded his vocals in a couple of studios across Toronto. Okay. So he's more of the rapper and he's he's got his own career out of this now. Yep. He was he was a solo artist before. Was he a solo artist before this or was it he's just like a fledgling artist at the time? So Abdominal, aka Andy Bernstein, grew up in Toronto, Canada, born on the seventh of February 1974 so he's currently 47 using the name abdominal uh, he found his formed his first rap crew with dj sirius and scott c called rush home and they started recording tracks a chance meeting with uh in 1999 with dg phase led to him teaming up as abs and phase so he did some tracks recorded some stuff there uh, as another group they began recording and released the limited single uh, vinyl frontier (laughs) <laughs> vinyl frontier i like that's that that's pretty clever i like that that's, that's good. pretty good the um and this drew the attention of dj format which led to them collaborating uh, on the music for the mature b-boy released 2003 and abdominal is also quite heavily featured on the next album 2005's if you can't join them beat them yeah did you listen to that album 
Yeah, I'm really familiar. Those are the two albums I sort of stuck with. Okay. So loved music for the mature b-boy, and then listened to if you can't beat him, join him. That features a, a second Canadian rapper called Decisive, and it, it's cool. Like they 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 do like a, a pretty cool song called Separated at Birth, and it's just a sort of back and forth between abdominal and decisive. There's another one called Participation Prerequisite and stuff like that. Th- those songs are those songs are cool and and I really enjoyed that album as well. I just there's a documentary I'm just having a look at that I'd I'd be interested in watching. I do like a good music documentary. It's a 2001 documentary called Scratch. Okay. Uh looks to me that it's it covers a lot of like graf- just that graffiti break dancing, DJing and MCing and how they all sort of came together. No, oh, there's one actually. If, do you remember an artist called Leftfield? Yes. Yeah, you'd you'd again well sampled. Um, a, a memory I have is I had a PlayStation One demo disc, and it came with a song by Leftfield, "Africa Shocks." The video's fucked up. It's like a um, okay. like a homeless guy, sort of looking like kind of distressed. It looks like he's begging. And parts of him start falling off like he's made of porcelain. Mm-hmm. And like bits of him break and he just shatters and no one's really paying attention. Not familiar with it. Again, fantastic, well-made video. Like the, the effects for the time, this would have been 2000, 2001, were, were something else. And that gave me sort of an in with that sort of sound. And I definitely had a perchance for electronic music so this hip-hop sound and my fan sort of fanning of of dance not dance music it wasn't i did like i did i wasn't the odd dance album the old judge jewels and me i love skrillex i'm not gonna judge you ministry of sound albums i've got too many of them but it was that was sort of when i was when i was young when i was a kid when i was buying things that were popular at the time to be into that yeah. sort of chavy sort of everyone had a ministry of sound something didn't they oh and i, I had more than Except more than i can remember wasn't a dick i think i say the clubber's guide to ibiza 1998 or something daft oh, like that fuck off fucking have the them um <laughs> left field leftism i don't i i know the name i'm not particularly familiar with the artist i'm probably going to know a couple of songs but i just gave it a quick googs and if you if you look at the album cover for leftism that is I remember seeing that in every music shop, everywhere. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's yes, sort of the like, whale, it's a, the, the jaws. Yeah, it looks like a shark jaw, and it's as if there's a speaker on the inside. I don't know. It's a speaker, or a black hole, or something. I don't know. I need to remember. Yeah, it's like... No, a, it is a speaker. It's a speaker. It's like a cone. Yeah, and Release the Pressure is an extremely famous song. You... You'd know it if you heard it. It's been reused and resampled and repurposed hundreds of times. Um, it's it's a very very notable release, and that got to like you know that got to like number thirteen in nineteen ninety six. So it was used in loads of adverts. It was used in an O two advert as well. You'd know it if you heard it. Yeah, no, I think I think we do know the song you're talking about. But to go back to format, so Music for the Mature B-Boy was 2003. 
if you can't join them, beat them was 2005. So pretty pretty close back to back. State of Intent wasn't until 2012. Wow, big gap. So I didn't really. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not too clear on what he was doing in between then, but I didn't really come back to that. I might have listened to State of Intent, but by that point, I was absolutely balls deep in architects and just loving life. So didn't really come back into <laughs> yeah into um uh to dj format from there to be fair but but like i say um uh, i quite like abdominals vocals like his yeah they're nice they're on it. Like, he seems very capable oh 100 like like you're saying he's him and format are, are the sound of this album and i just think ill culinary behavior is is a cool song i i I quite like the gimmick of it, like the like the context of the metaphor of of a dinner party to make a song sort of thing. Like it's quite funny, and obviously when when it ends with that bacon and egg and chips mm. song, it's just it's just humorous. It, the sort of joke started to to sort of dwindle on me a little bit by by the end because keep in mind I've obviously been listening to this album since two thousand three. By the time I got to today and i was still listening to ill culinary behavior i was a bit like ah right i get the joke but the hit song's cool but it's vicious battle raps that i think he's amazing on like that song is just so good and the video of him in vicious battle raps is like one continuous shot i thought that was i thought I'd, i'd confused vicious battle raps for we know something you don't know as being one continuous shot but it's definitely ill culinary, uh, sorry, vicious battle raps that he's just like walking down the street and like they're doing stuff. And I think I've referenced it a lot that I don't like music videos, but they were clearly very influential on me. You know, if they've been well made, a well made music video is very much, you know, the backbone of of this of a song's success at, in that time. Um, yeah, and if if you've got something that's going to catch people's eye. And make them want to watch it again. Request it on the jukebox channels, you know, whatever those sending letters asking for it. I don't know how. How did you communicate with music channels prior to the internet? Te- teletext. Teletext. Sending text no, messages. Would you send text messages? No, you it was have... text messages, but they were like two ninety nine a text message or something <laughs> at the time when they were like ten pence. I wonder how many people could say that they've lost as much money as people are losing on like cryptocurrency or stuff these days like oh I'll, you all you young folk you're losing your money to cryptocurrency i lost mine to requesting songs on kerrang yeah mate did you ever text the box did you fuck did you, you don't fuck? know what hardship is <laughs> no were, the i was laughing with someone funny you should say about that i was laughing about um where you would send text messages to get ringtones yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I opened, I was going through, I think if you were listening in last last week's episode, I've been uh, re-ripping a lot of my CDs. And in, Oh yeah, because you got a CD drive. I did get a CD drive. Uh, it's another Which conversation. Happy. But uh, going through this, I've done all my CDs, but in some of them, there was a little insert for send a text message to this premium rate number, and we'll send you back this song as a ringtone. Oh it's my like, lord. Three pounds for a fucking ringtone that goes. Dee, 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 dee. You know, just... wasn't so. Was it even a, a? Was it actually like an MP3 or was it a polyphonic? I, I have no. I, I'm not paying for it to find out. By the sounds of things, it was just going to send back a ringtone. Which if right. if I'm thinking when the album was released, it was it was in Biffy Clyro's puzzle. This one, oh, so no. that's like 2007. 
There so, you go. Who who remembers polyphonic ringtones? I remember having to dial dial them in on your Nokia thirty three ten. Yeah, disgusting. The um the music videos, quite a notable director, or he became a notable director. Uh, does the name Ruben Fleischer mean anything to you? Fleischer, 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 Ruben Fleischer. It uh, does not. What it says? Yeah, um, you're not allowed to search. You're not allowed to Google. You're not allowed to search. Oh, I was hoping I got Ruben FL, and it's not giving me anything more. And I was hoping it would give me one little name afterwards. He, give me, give me a big, give me a big one. He, his sort of first feature film was Zombieland. Oh right, okay. Oh, so, um, he's doing something quite recent. He's doing. He's got something new yep. bubbling at the moment. Yeah, his name. He's done. His, he's done a lot of music videos. Yeah, his feature films are Zombieland, Thirty Minutes or Less, Gangster Squad. He did Venom. That's it. He did Venom, and is he not doing the new one as well? No, he did Zombieland too, but now he's he's doing the Uncharted film with Tom Holland. That's it. Yes, I have read about that. Is that him? Yep. So he made the video for these DJ format ones. He did. We know something you don't know. Oh. The uh, vicious battle raps. And he also did Dance Commander for Electric Six, which sent me down a fucking wormhole earlier this afternoon, by the way, going back to Electric Six. I have seen Electric Six live. Oh, how was it? Oh, it was fantastic. It was right, right when they were just popular, like that one millisecond where they were like the hottest ticket in town and I got to see them for free in Middlesbrough. Ooh. Got to see all, all performing all the hits. I think they were on on the same stage as The Darkness. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. I'll tell you who I got to see for free, and it's hip hop related. Oh, fucking Goldie looking chain. Fuck, it guns was... don't kill people. Rappers do. Oh man, <laughs> my friend's <laughs> tutor at college had a rap piss take band. And at the fuck again, were they Goldie looking chain? No, it wasn't. But they were basically just a Goldie looking chain like rip off. That's funny. And they had they had a, a so similar. If, I remember. I can't remember the name. And if 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 you're listening, Dean, if you can tell me what the the name of your your tutor's band was, I I remember it being something similar to Goldie looking chain. So, but it, like three da 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 da. Smelly looking something. I don't know, but it was very funny, and it was obviously like a piss take of a piss take. Yeah, my um, my friend got free tickets off of a radio, now extinct radio station, and we went to go see them at the venue, and they came on venue in Edinburgh. No, it wasn't the venue in Edinburgh. What was the downstairs one that then got caught on fire? Oh, that became that. That's now Labelle. No, further up Victoria Street. Oh, you're failing me, Lav. What? Why are you failing me? What venue are you what, talking is it, about? Is it, is it the venue? No, the, the venue was the tiny little one where we saw Crazy Fists, right? Yeah, that's down. that was down on Calton Road. Right. What's the venue? Why are names escaping me? It's a very famous street in Edinburgh. The one where you spewed everywhere and Dag filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Victoria Street. Victoria Street. Yeah. So what's the venue that's downstairs under the Irish bar? Oh, f- uh, fl- oh flogging. Um, liquid Rooms. Liquid Rooms! Is it? Yes. 
Is that Liquid Rooms? Yes, it's Liquid Rooms, then there's the Irish Bar, and then what was Cushy's. Cushy's went on fire, got turned into a fish and chip shop now. Bernie's, I think it's called. Um, the Irish Bar's there, and Liquid Rooms is back. Yes! Oh. Yes! Liquid Rooms, that was it. That's where I saw Goldie looking chain. Thanks for bringing Boy, up that I spewed my fucking hoop one day, and that was great. You're more than welcome. I can still remember the video clearly. And... Uh, yeah, came on stage, necked a bottle of Bucky, and it was a great show. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it go. was. Um, free, um, free, free tickets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Free tickets are there's a, there's always the odd story when it comes to free tickets. So how did it was a radio station that doesn't exist anymore? You say Beat One Hundred Six. Do you remember them? Nope. Yeah, they became something else that became something else. I okay. can't remember when this was. I would need to. I would need to reference. In fact, Stu's gonna love this because he he likes DJ format as well. So he's probably gonna listen to this episode. And it was my mate Stu that got the um, that got the free ticks. Got so the tickets. Shout out to shout out to Stu. Uh, I've yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been to a hip hop show. I think I've been to I've been to nights at Sneaky Pete's. They used to do. I think a Monday night was like a. They used to do like an MC sort of rap night. And that was mm-hmm. the first time that, well, not the first time I heard it, but they used to do really good fun doing like uh, Wu-Tang Clang's Cream. So they would just play the, the backing music from that and yeah. rap over that. Um, and it was always a good night. It was always a good vibe. A really good vibe. Yeah. I, like, I have like continued to listen to hip hop and rap and a little bit of gangster rap and stuff like that. And I think especially after fuck the nwa film came out sort of went back into that stuff and listened oh, yeah. to it a little bit more straight out of compton thank you straight out of compton totally forgot what that was uh i'd always I'd, I'd always had a bit of a soft spot for it but yeah i just never really went for it as hard as some other people did you know i didn't get an insane claim posse tattoo yeah i've not got any any musical tattoos to speak of uh, steered clear of that one. Oh, I have several musical tattoos that we've <laughs> already discussed. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> there's a, that, 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 that's kind of where it is. So, did you realise? I, I, I don't know if you did any anything to this before, but uh, DJ Format is basically the artist's real name. I noticed. Yeah, we we talked about this as Matt Ford. Matt. Matt so the D, Matt. DJ Format himself is Matt Ford. Which is practically Format. a full reversal. There's just, there's just a J in there fucking it up at the end. But uh, as a gentleman by the name of Matt Ford, originally from Southampton, but now lives in Brighton, and I think that sort of shows because a lot of the tracks are are um, he he sort of later did in Brighton. Brighton is where all the cool kids live, I think. Well, aren't architects from Brighton? Architects, dead swans. Um, I'm sure there's ooh two. There's, there's a lot more than that. No, fair it is. They had a they had a bit of a burgeoning music scene through the two thousands. It's a very art arty place to be. I think. I've so never one been. of I've never been Brighton. I've not been to Brighton. I've been to Bournemouth. <laughs> Parties in Bournemouth, I think. I don't think I've been to the south coast. Uh-huh. I've been to Cornwall actually. Stand, tell a lie. I have been to Cornwall, so I have been to the south coast, but I've never been to the west side. Other than going through the tunnel, I've never been to the south 
the, the bottom of the country, really. I've only been once. It, it was all right. I got pr- pretty drunk. And, and that was about it. Well, I, I, I have a very famous line between me and my friends between for that night is one of my mates was like, whatever you do, don't let me eat seafood because I get fucking drunk on seafood. And he ordered the seafood pizza. <laughs> I get drunk on seafood. He gets drunk when he drinks seafood. When he eats seafood, he will get shit-faced. He gets shit-faced wherever he goes. Right. But specifically, he will get extra shit-faced if he was to eat seafood prior to drinking. So there's like... There's there's different level if 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 you were to call different levels of drunk so you'd have you'd have roast beef drunk you'd have chicken yeah, dinner maybe. chicken dinner drunk and he's and he can get seafood drunk and that's when he can get seafood drunk where it was just like eh, don't don't let me have the seafood and then literally ten minutes later the waitress comes over and before anyone could say anything he was like I'll have the seafood pizza please and we're like fuck's sake guy was a write off there is a man, a man with very very low standards for himself if he's gonna do that. Matt Ford, <laughs> DJ format, kind of got his first release uh, in 1996 as he was uh, the producer and did scratching for The Underground Strikes Back by Super Kit. Suspect. Fuck, Super Kit. Totally read that backwards. Uh, by, by by Suspect. Don't don't know who that is. That is just reminding me, and this is a real fucking stretch of a, of a link back to the last episode. Tony brought up MCAT. Yeah, you've used the word ket, and I'm just like ket, ketamine, mcat. So, m remembered what mcat was. Thank you, Tony. It was plant food. Yeah, my friend listened to the t- listened to the pod, and again got back to me, and he was like, "We used to call that drone." And in my flat, we had a drone phone. <laughs> it's just it's just a running joke, but we called mcat drone apparently. Yeah, it was the stuff that was plant food and people would just do whatever. Yeah. Sorry to bring that up. That was just one of those memories that as soon as you've mentioned someone, DJ Ket, or what is it? Suspect. Suspect Ket. All right, well, yeah. yeah. When you're going to use names, and I think a lot of the names would sort of lean into that urban culture, which would involve partying, drugs. Yeah, no, I'm totally... So, so I'm not surprised. Sorry, that that was his diversion. That was his. That was Matt for DJ format sort of first break in '96, with uh, with this underground strikes back. Uh, he then established a relationship with Jurassic Five, because he was their bus driver apparently. Oh, cool. They're they're a name I recognise from definitely from games. I'm sure they did a lot of game soundtracks, or at least their songs appeared. My sort of impression of 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 the of um sorry Jurassic Five at the time where they were the sort of the counter gangster rap guys they were like quite wholesome you know everything we've said here they were quite wholesome accessible weren't too like they weren't about like bitches and bling and stuff like that you know you know it wasn't their birthday like they were just like that was a fifty cent reference they were just they 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 were just just quite high quality urban sounding hip hop yeah a lot of but I didn't know much again more it's than that, that funk it's that funk element that I feel is perhaps missing in some of the the more gangster rap stuff that I think if it's got that funk sort of level to it so like you say this DJ format DJ shadow DJ Yoda but also there are some like Dr. Dre songs like the chronic Full of some great funk 
sort of riffs yeah. that get sampled onto it. But then he's later gone down the line of what was popular, and it was popular to be more aggressive and um, in 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 his lyrics and in things. So I think it depends on what what sort of gets what gets sales, what is popular, and if a ba- if an artist like DJ Format just makes music for himself, makes music to be you know to express himself with the with the, his knowledge of of other songs, then then that's that's what he wanted to do. He clearly didn't want to go for the the unit shifter stuff that that you could have made at the time. Yeah, like he's there's there's such a strong reinforcement, especially from like abdominal, at least from what I remember from the songs of like like this is hip hop, mm-hmm. and like this is rap and this is hip hop and this is what we do, whereas from other sort of types of rap that was around at the time again coming back to like your gangster rap and your your sort of more aggressive flashy stuff that was more about like fucking well this is how much money we've made look look how much money i now have like beforehand i didn't have any money now i have all the fucking money Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like your sort of puff daddies and your your stuff i don't really get any of that from this album yes and it's to its credit that i don't get that okay that's good. In my eyes. That's good. And it, in all fairness, as much as I've not taken much away from it, I think just the knowledge that it exists is probably good because I will quite happily now go on DJ format, onto maybe onto the music for the Mature B-Boy, and do the, on Spotify, just do play the radio. Mm-hmm. And I left it, I, I think the other day, I did leave it on longer than the album and it, and it went into some various related albums related songs and again it's all music that i find quite appealing but not something i would go out of my way usually to listen to unless it's on so to have sort of a a foothold or an anchor that i can start or starting point then this could be that one that i go back to to do that yeah yeah a, a fine album i'll i liked it but again a little bit too unremarkable to talk about in the future or again if, if that makes sense no that's cool i'm temp- i'm kind of tempted to go back because just even as you're saying that you know you put it on the radio and you heard some stuff that you liked well to be brutally honest i don't know that i've ever done that with dg format because if this was 2005 if you can't join and beat them then what was the next album something state Statement of Intent mm-hmm. was 2012. Well, that was the album I didn't really... That sort of I, I dropped off by that point, so I didn't really come back to it. I have since dabbled in a couple of songs of the ones that I know, but I never went any further than that. So it, I may very well go back and sort of check out sort of what he did thereafter because there's State of Intent from 2012. They're still hungry at 2017. They're still hungry the remixes. And then he's just released uh, an album from 2021, The Devil's Workshop. Well, there we go. Glad that he's still active and making making beats. That's cool. Yeah, very much so. And um, I, I never saw him. And it kinda, it's a bit of a bummer that I never saw him because I think he played The Fringe one year and I, w- I just happened to be in Voodoo Rooms and there was the poster and I was like, "Holy fuck, DJ Format!" Haven't haven't even listened to that guy in a couple of years. You know, it was it was sort of in the drop off years where I didn't come back to him, and I thought, "Fucking, I need to go to this." 
but for whatever reason I couldn't make it. And it's happened a couple of times where I've sort of seen him play and I've not been able to make it and ultimately I have yet to see DJ Format live. Yeah. Oh well. Well that's uh, I'm sure it'll if he's still active, it never know. And I've I've seen a lot of artists come out of the woodwork with uh, post COVID with some tour announcements, so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some names crop up that uh, fill out the calendars coming into the near future. Yeah, might be cool. I'm, I'm just going to double check, actually. Yeah, there's no one... doesn't appear to be anyone listed on Devil's Workshop. So it doesn't appear as if he's worked with anyone. You know, It's not like DG Format and Abdominal. To be fair, behind the scenes from 2017... Oh no, it was the Still Hungry album. That has Abdominals on the first... Abdominals on all the tracks. Okay. So that Still Hungry album from 2017 is DJ format and Abdominal. That could be cool. I might hit that. Yeah, I'll give it a... I might even give it a listen myself. So you liked it. It just wasn't something you're gonna really... Like, it's not It's not changing your life. It's not blowing your head off. You're not now going to become like a hip-hop connoisseur or anything? Uh, probably not. I might go through some of the songs that I have. I know I do have a few sort of stray MP3s that from, from back in the day just that I might have picked up or collected. There was a, an artist called One B Low. I'll, I'll share that with you. He had a good album uh, um, that I enjoyed. A lot of Wu-Tang Clan. I I did I did enjoy Wu-Tang Clan's um, 36 Chambers. It's one of the only hip-hop albums I think I own on vinyl. Fair. And I think I'm going to go through the the Beastie Boys discography at some point too because... Absolutely worth it. They've, they've got some bangers in there. If You know, start from the beginning and, and see where we go with that. RIP MCA. Indeed. Indeed. The Just one last funny little story for DJ Format is... I've just double-checked the year. So this album came out in 2003. I went to buy the CD from Avalanche Records on Coburn Street in Edinburgh at the same time I bought Through the Ashes of Empires by Machine Head. <laughs> Was it, I can imagine Kevin still working, you know, Kevin Buckle, the owner and, and proprietor of, of Avalanche record, Records, just looking at you going, what the f- Are you all right, kid? Did you pick up the wrong wrong one here? Which which, which one are you meaning to buy here? Because you look like a little dickhead that would listen to Machine Head. It's not buy two for tenner. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just I don't know why I just remember that so clearly because it's the only time I ever bought anything of Avalanche Records, and I think I paid the premium for it. Yeah, but it it was definitely definitely picked up the two albums, and I'm like, oh, there's there, yeah. I I don't know which one I went in for. Couldn't tell you which one I went in for, but I know. I saw them both and I bought them both. So there you, there you go. I bought a hip-hop and a metal album at the same time. I think the oddest pairing I've ever come out of a of a shop with, either the very first two singles I ever bought or when HMV got their act together with pricing and they started doing some really good like two for a tenner offers. Oh, yeah. And I walked out with Robert Miles' Dreamland Okay, okay. Talking <laughs> and, DJs. And Linkin Park's reanimation. That was that was one one purchase I made. But my first two singles I ever bought was in WH Smith and the Metro Centre. And it was Oasis Don't Look Back in Anger and 
talked about Britpop last week as well. And Babylon Zoo Spaceman. Oh my god. What the fuck? I mean, there's there's a leap. One time I borrowed money to buy the U2 Batman Forever soundtrack. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Fuck off. On borrowed tape. money for it. Yeah, well, we we'd, we Did you just uh, say on tape as well? Yeah, like oh, my mum took us to the Gale. Yes. My mum took me and some friends to the Gale and like I didn't have any money and saw the tape and so my fr- I asked my friend for like two pounds and they were just like, all right, fucking fine. And I bought the tape of U2, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which was for the Batman Forever soundtrack and Batman Forever still stands as a fucking great film. I have a story I, I can tell because I know the person involved does not listen to this. I patched a date with a girl to go and see Titanic because I used the money to buy a hip-hop tape of uh, Mm -hmm. Run DMC, Jason Nevins, It's Like That. Yes! I bought that on tape and then couldn't go to the cinema to see Titanic. That was... That was, Man, a, that, that was was 1995. 1995 was Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. That's why it was still on tape. So, Christ, I wish I'd thought of that when someone wanted to go see Never Been Kissed With Me. <laughs> oh, I've, I've just spent all my money on a, a single tape. Two oh, sides, though. I can't, I can't actually go, but do you know what? It's like that! <laughs> and that's the way it is! Happy as Larry with that purchase. Happy Man, that song, we, we did a school trip and that song got played... All the way there and all the way back. Like, from Livingston to Scarborough. That's right. That's how we did school trips. We went to Scarborough. <laughs> that's four hours of Run DMC there and all the way back. It was... That was... That was a... That was good times. Phenomenal. Are we done? Are we done with format? Yeah, man. I think yeah, I think we've covered covered all the points and we've got quite a conversation out of it uh, on record. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that one to us. Smashing. I'm glad, I'm glad you sort of... Liked it. I'm, I'm glad there was something enjoyable there for you, even though ultimately it sounded like it was kind of meh. It wasn't that it was meh, it's just meh. <laughs> it was, right. Yeah. Thanks for this. Yeah, thank, Yeah. it's cool. Inoffensive. I'd listen to it again, but it, yeah, it just didn't hook me. So, what are we doing next time? What are we doing next time, Oh, lad? we've got a treat. This is exciting. I'm very excited. What are we going to do next time? I've had this tab open since we started talking, so I could do this bit right. I know, we better, we better yeah, to not get, fuck this up. Dad, we want to fuck this up. So, the next time that me and Keith m- meet to... So, if anyone, for anyone who doesn't know, me and Keith do this remotely. Keith's down down south. I'm in, I'm in Scotland. He's in England. And we've never done this live together. Never been in the same room together to record a podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. So next week, I am going to visit Keith and I will be, and we will be doing an in the room recording together for the first time ever. It's going to make editing a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Yes. That's, that's, that's your problem, but we're going to, so because it's sort of it's going to be a bit of a special episode. It's not going to be something that's going to happen very often, if if ever again. Who knows? Just the the stars have aligned on this occasion. 
So we're going to do it. And we thought that given it's a special episode, we should do some kind of, of special tribute to it. So I suggested, and, and Keith agrees, to do our namesake. I would like to do Kill Switch Engage Alive or Just Breathing. Yes. And to make it a bit more special, I think we should cover from their debut album, Kill Switch Engage, to where I dropped off with Kill Switch Engage, which was As Daylight Dies, which is 2006. Now, I'm totally down for that because Kill Switch Engage were kind of still are massive for me. 2004 is a bit of an explosion of music for me. Like, I really sort of start to come into my own and find a lot of my own bands and metalcore. You know, new metal became metalcore, and there is just a ton of metalcore bands that we that we will cover, and we might as well kick off with Kill Switch because they're probably one of the biggest. You know, it's only downhill from here, but you know, Kill Switch are are fundamental in sort of my musical tastes. So. Yeah, let, let's do it. We'll be in the same room together. We'll 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 no doubt have many technical difficulties and can't wait. Who knows? <laughs> I'm actually might, might. I'm excited. I'm excited to overcome the technical difficulties though. Totally. No, as as am I, man. So yeah, let's that that that's going to be our next episode from the same room in Yorkshire, England. Lav and I will be bringing you our experience of Kill Switch Engage. Can't wait. I'm very excited. So Keith, do you want to take us home? I'll take us home. Thanks for listening. This has been Alive or Just Blethering. Head over to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page and also YouTube at AOGB Podcast for all our latest updates. Next time on Alive or Just Blethering, Lav and I will be discussing Alive or Just Breathing, End of Heartache and what's the last album? As Daylight Dies. As Daylight Dies. Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you. Good night.